Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Yeah, hello. Good evening, everybody. Well, my name is Leona. I'm one of the pastors here at Hills, and I I think it's only my third or fourth time here at this campus, so it hasn't been a lot. I'm quite excited to be here tonight, and I'm even more excited that I believe in the future it will be a bit more the case, as my role has just recently changed, and I'm now the cross-campus minister, pastor, what a, what a name to it. Um, no idea yet what it all means, <laughs> but I'm slowly getting, getting to know it all. Um, so, but one thing that it surely means is that I am excited to be sometimes popping in here in the evening service and being a part of your lives as well. Um, When Nick asked me to preach here tonight, um, and he also asked me to preach in Allgate Morning last week, so it's actually the same sermon in case you haven't figured it out. Sometimes the pastors do that. (laughs) We preach the same sermon a few times at different campuses. Um, So this is the case here, and I do see a couple of faces who have been last Sunday morning already in Allgate, but my prayer for all of you is right now that you hear again, listen again with an open heart. Um, Who knows what the Lord is doing tonight and which part of the sermon will touch you tonight. So um, hopefully you won't fall asleep and I hope that my jokes are still as funny. Um, We'll see. (laughs) So I was thinking about what to do um, in a one-off sermon where you guys are not really in a sermon series at the moment and I was praying, and usually your mind goes quite often to different topics. You're thinking, oh man, which topic can I pick right now? And then I, you know, structure a few Bible verses around it. Sounds a bit easy. It's actually pretty hard to do if you do it solidly. But for some reason, my heart didn't settle with this. And I was like, oh Lord, maybe I should really just stick into a book. And so this is what we are going to do tonight. We are going to look at the book of Habakkuk. It's a small book. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open To Habakkuk, and I shall read the first few verses. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Habakkuk's complaint. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Or cry to you violence. And you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surrounds the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. The Lord's answer, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, their bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not on their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence. All their faces forward. They gather at captives like sand, at kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty man, 
whose our might is their God. A bit over 10 years ago, I had this amazing privilege to um, visit over 30 different mission teams all across Asia with my husband, and we documented their life and their story and the culture and so on, so they could mobilize their home churches for what they were doing. And that year, a bit over a year, really shaped our life. And in that season, we spent a long time in Central Asia, and that's where I left a bit of my heart, I think. My heart is really stuck a bit in Central Asia, which I never thought before when I looked at the world map. But we visited a team in a country called Tajikistan. And Tajikistan is a beautiful country. It's got beautiful mountains, almost like in Switzerland, like stunning, stunning nature. But it's a very, very rough ground. The soil is very tough, and if you are poor, you can't even plant a banana tree, like nothing will grow. So if you are poor, you're really poor. And it's spiritually quite dark. And we went to see a team on the western part of Tajikistan, and it was quite a faithful team. And I would say, looking back, it was in one of the toughest places that I saw where missionaries were serving all throughout all the different teams. But it was yeah, probably set up of five, six different families. And one thing they did is they always prayed to God for protection, that he would go before them, that he would protect his children, and that he would be there with them. But a week or so before we got to the, to the team, I will change his name today to Max. A little two-year-old boy, Max, one of the sons from one of the missionaries, slipped and fell headfirst in a little sewage drain that quite often is in Central Asia and drowned. Why? Why, God? Why could you have not just turned this little head around? Why, if his parents are serving you in one of the harshest places on earth? If they go out, if they go out every single day in these difficult conditions and preach your name and they pray for protection over their children, why? Why could he have just not turned his little head so he could have breathed oxygen? I struggled with that. I really wrestled with God at the time. I find it quite difficult. Today we are looking at a man in the Bible who struggles exactly with this issue too. This man struggled with the question, God, why are you not intervening? Habakkuk is his name and he is a prophet and he served throughout the last days of the Assyrian Empire and the beginning of the Babylonian Empire roughly at about 620 to 587 BC. And he wrote down an oracle, which is like a conversation between himself and God. And it reminds us a bit of the book of Job. So most of us are probably more familiar with the book of Job. And it doesn't happen very often in the Bible, so it's pretty unique. So Habakkuk writes down this oracle. And we are very blessed to be able to read this today. And he grew up under a king, and his name was King Josiah. And King Josiah was a really good king. Under King Josiah, Habakkuk got to know prosperity and a great religious revival. That was the time when the temple was rebuilt. That was his upbringing. But then King Josiah got killed in battle, and his son, King Jehoiakim, had to say. And he was not a good man. 
In only the very first few verses that we just read, um, Habakkuk describes this time, this period of Judah as violent, destructive, unjust and spiritual dark. In 2 Chronicles 36.5, we can read that Jehoiakim did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. It was a bad, bad time for Judah. And Habakkuk, his heart was aching. He was crying out to God. And the word cry here could also be translated as to scream or to cry in a really loud voice. And he has prayed since a long time. It says, really in the beginning of this chapter, How long, O oh Lord? How long should I pray for you and you do not listen? And why? Why are you not doing anything? There is like violence everywhere. It's your people. And you're just watching? Is this what you're doing? In fact, it was so bad that in verse 4, Habakkuk said that the law was paralyzed and the justice never went forth. What he meant by this is that the people were so sinful that they couldn't even hold the law anymore. They couldn't keep it. He criticized the sinfulness of the people and not the failure of the law. So why then? Why did God not do anything about it? You may be in a season in your life where things don't make sense. Maybe you've been praying for a person, and we just did this before, Prog, it actually touched me as this was happening, for some family members who do not know Jesus or who have walked away for quite a long time, and you just do not know why things are not happening. Maybe you just received a personal, really difficult health diagnosis, and you just don't get your head around it. You're like, why, Lord? Why? What's happening? Maybe you lost your job. So why? Surely God could intervene. Surely he's got more for you in this world. So why is he not doing it? Well, what about in Habakkuk's case? Did God just look? Or did God just maybe not do it in Habakkuk's way? Let's see. God responded. And grammatically, it's quite important right now to understand that he is now talking in plural, which means that he's now addressing the whole nation of Judah and not just Habakkuk as a single person. And God didn't defend himself, which is good because he's God. He doesn't have to, does he? But instead, he answered in three imperatives. And he says, look, see, and be astounded. And that did show that he was at work and that he is at work. And then God said that he will raise up those Chaldeans, which are the Babylonians. And he describes them as bitter and as a hasty nation. They were not good. They were pretty difficult at the time. They controlled most of the Near East. They were pretty violent, way more violent than Judah itself. So what was happening? Why did God raise up a nation that was more violent than Judah? In verse 8 it says that their horses were swifter than leopards. And that they are more fierce than the evening wolves. That's not a good combination. The military was pretty strong. Babylonian's king was King Nebuchadnezzar II. And this is the same king that we can read about in Daniel 4. Where it says that due to his pride, he fell with his mind and he lived like an animal for a few years. 
That was Babylon. That was the time. And now God was about to, to raise them up and ask them to take over Judah? Why? Why would he do that? Well, in Deuteronomy, God actually has promised Israel something. And he promised them that when they follow him, that he will bless them. But when they go their own way, that he will discipline them. There was a promise. And God did this out of complete love. Because he is love. But as I was preparing at home, I still wrestled with this. I don't know how you're feeling right now when you're listening to all of this. And I mean, I'm a mom of three children and I can't help to then think of right or right. When I discipline my kids, sometimes there's a need for it. And they don't necessarily see the bigger picture, but I do. So I know that I discipline them for the best. But in the moment, the world goes under for them. So I was thinking about this and I was like, yeah, that's fine. But I was like, God, you're still God. Goodness me, like, <laughs> we are your creatures. You created us. Your name is love. You are love. You are just. So what is happening here? I was also thinking of a story when I was a child and, and um, I grew up in, in Germany and my parents made me go to Sunday school and I worded like that. And back then, it was a bit different probably to right now. We all had to sit in a circle and, and the teacher was always walking around in the circle and when we were not listening, he stepped on our foot a bit. <laughs> but that, um, so I didn't always like Sunday school. Um, but my parents said to me, Leona, there's no negotiation. This is, is, it's Sunday and you're going to Sunday school. Well, looking back, what I actually learned, though, is that firstly, the Christian walk needs discipline and routine. And I learned something good out of this as well. But I couldn't see it at the time. Looking back, I can. But still in the moment in our story here in Habakkuk's case, he must have been so confused. Not knowing what is happening. It can be pretty tough in life to not understand what, what's currently going on, can't it? But then God says in verse 11 that Babylon will sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty man whose own might is their God. God judges Babylon for their actions. He does. God does not support or encourage injustice. He is God and he is true to his character and he will always stay and be true to his character. And God is just. He is just. It was a pretty unexpected answer what God gave Habakkuk at this first complaint. But what it showed Habakkuk back then, and there's a few things we can learn from it today, was firstly that God is at work and that God is doing it in his way. I say that again. God is at work and he is doing it in his way. Secondly, God has the eternal perspective. He is Yahweh. He knows what's happening. He knows the past, the present and the future. He can raise nations up and he can bring them down. He is still in control of world history. And thirdly, God does not have to meet your expectations. And I say that again, because that can be painful. God does not have to meet your expectations. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I got it pretty sorted. When I got an issue happening in life, I sort the whole problem out of my mind, and I get the answer almost ready for my prayer, and I came to structure the prayer pretty well. 
be like, Lord, all sorted. This is the way forward. <laughs> if you could just partner and do this, 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 amen. Wouldn't it be fantastic? I sometimes think we as Christians, we can give God the answer. Also in our prayers. But when we never forget that he is God and that we are not. He is God. So let him be God in your life. He does not have to meet your expectations. So my question to you today is that if you think of these difficult circumstances that you maybe had in mind before, the family member, a difficult diagnosis, whatever it is, do you trust in your own expectations of God? Or do you trust in his character? Think about it. After God's first answer, Habakkuk still struggled. He was really wrestling with us. He felt the pain. He saw his nation go under. Let's read Habakkuk 2, 1 to 3. And it says, I will climb up my watchtower now and wait to see what answer God will give to my complaint. And the Lord said to me, write my answer on a billboard, large and clear, so that anyone can read it at glance and rush to tell the others. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be over to you a single day. Habakkuk saw himself as a watchman. And that was a pretty important role back at the time. They looked over the city and they made sure, warned the city for danger and all of it. And if the watchman failed to do so, if danger came and they failed to do it, what happened is that the people of the city would take the watchman's hand and stain it with the blood of those people who died. Not fun. You don't want this to happen to you. So Habakkuk took this moment pretty serious. And then God answered. And God asked Habakkuk to do three things. Firstly, to write down the vision. Secondly, to trust his word. And thirdly, to declare his judgment. So Habakkuk writes down the vision. And this is really the reason why we have this beautiful book of Habakkuk today. Praise be to God. But he writes down the vision, not just for himself or for the people of Judah, but for all the future generations. Because what's often happening in prophecies is that it has an immediate application, but often additionally to the immediate application, it actually has an application that is pointing out to a very important person in the Bible we call Jesus Christ. And this is what's happening here. And it's quite exciting to see that the author of the book of Hebrews picked up on it. And in Hebrews 10, 37, it says, He who is coming will come will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But if we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believed and are saved. So Habakkuk writes down this vision. Not just for himself, not just for Judah, but for you and for I. So we can even sit here today and be like, my man. Even in all throughout world history, the Lord pointed to one person, Jesus Christ. Very amazing. Secondly, God then asked Habakkuk to trust his word. He gave him three assurances in the second chapter. The first one was that the just shall live by faith. That's a promise. That if you live by faith, he will bless you. 
Secondly, Habakkuk 2.14, he assures us that even though the world is corrupt and full of evil, that one day, it says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. What an assurance. Amen. And thirdly, Habakkuk 2.20, it focuses on the government. And he points out that the nations will rise and that the nations will fall, but that he alone is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. God is asking his people to trust his word. Do you trust? Do you trust his word? And finally, God asked Habakkuk to declare God's judgment. The Lord answered in different woe articles here and And he proclaimed different sins that the Babylonians were doing. And all of those sins are happening in this world today. Selfish ambition, creed, the misuse of the names of other people, drunkenness and violence and idolatry. All happening. So the challenge to this whole chapter really is that it presents us with a choice. Are you making a decision today in this world to follow God's way? Or are you making a decision today to follow the world's way? There's really only two ways to go. So can I ask you, when you turn for your security into life, when you're thinking about where you put all your trust and your security in, is it on life insurances? Is it maybe on other people? Is it even potentially on fame? Or in your job? Or whatever it is? Or is it on God? And you don't have to answer me this tonight. The good thing is the Lord sees your heart. And that can freak us out. But it's also pretty amazing. It's both. <laughs> and that's all right. It's called respect. But be honest with him. And if you do struggle in a certain area in your life, pray and tell him. He knows anyway, but he wants you to pray. And let him shape your heart. Habakkuk then answers God. But something has changed. He doesn't answer with another complaint, but now he answers with a prayer. So let's read chapter 3. I'm going to read a few verses from 1 to 6 and then 13 to 16. This is a prayer of the prophet Habakkuk. O Lord, I have heard of what you have done, and I'm filled with awe. Now do again in our times the great deeds you used to do. Be merciful, even when you're angry. God is coming again from Edom. The holy God is coming from the hills of Paran. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. He comes with the brightness of lightning. Light flashes from his hand. There where his power is hidden. He sends disease before him and commands death to follow him. When he stops, the earth shakes. At his class, the nations tremble. The eternal mountains are shattered. This everlasting hills sink down. The hills where he walked in ancient times. Verse 13. You went out to save your people, to save your chosen king. You struck down the leader of the wicked and completely destroyed his followers. Your arrows pierced the commander of his army when it came like a storm to scatter us. Clothing like those who secretly oppress the poor. You trampled the sea with the horses and the mighty waters foamed. I hear all of this and I tremble. My lips quiver with fear. My body goes limp. 
and my feet stumble beneath me. I will quietly wait for the time to come when God will punish those who attack us. We can see in these verses how Habakkuk was just an absolute awe of God, can we? It then goes on with a few verses that probably most of us who have grown up in church or been going to church for a while know better. It says, even though the fig trees have no fruit and no grapes grow on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no grain, even though the sheep all die and the cattle stalls are empty, I will still be joyful and glad because the Lord God is my savior. The sovereign Lord gives me strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer and keeps me safe on the mountains. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? So what happened? What happened? I believe the book of Habakkuk is such an amazing example of how Habakkuk's circumstances have not changed at all, at all but his heart did. His heart did. In the beginning of this chapter, we could see how he was screaming out in a loud voice to God. And the Lord answered him. And he still wrestled with this. And he was like, oh, I don't have enough, Lord. I don't have enough. Give me more. And then he climbed his watchtower and complained again to God. And God answered. And it left his Habakkuk in complete awe. It changed his heart so he could only praise back to him. To the Lord. To the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Habakkuk could see who God is. I think what shifted was that he could now trust in the character of the Lord and not in the circumstances he was facing or his expectations of him. Because God is faithful and he is merciful and God is just. That's the truth. That's what it says. So if the world around you does not make sense, if you have many questions in your life and you just do not know the answer, do you believe that God's character is enough to bring joy back in your life? I'm not saying you can't grieve. And I'm not saying you can't cry. I really believe that emotions are God-given and they are good and healthy for us. I know that well. <laughs> I like a good cry sometimes. <laughs> it's not bad. But what I do say is that in the midst of difficult times, that if you put your faith on the right foundation, the Lord promises you that despite all the difficult circumstances you're facing, that he can plant his joy in your heart. A peace beyond understanding, which makes from human perspective absolutely zero sense. But he can do it. The truth is, I don't know the answer why the Lord is sometimes intervening and sometimes he isn't. I don't know the answer why we don't seem to see the answers of some of our prayers. I don't. Why some come to faith and others don't. No idea. And I, don't, I also believe that hardly anybody of us or no one, in fact, in this room will know the answer to it. But I do know that he is love and I do know that God is just. And I do know, it says in the Bible, in Romans 8.31, that he is for you and not against you. I know that he saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purposes and grace. And this grace was given to us by Jesus Christ, 2 Timothy 1.9. What a promise. 
I know that his grace is sufficient for you because his power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It is not about how you pray, how often you pray, how loud you pray, how quiet, how many words you use, how many people you invite, whatever. It's not about this. We are living under grace. Don't beat yourself up that you may not have enough faith. We are under Jesus. We are under grace. But what God is asking of you is though, to pray. He's asking you to pray. So pray. Take the time and pray. I believe one of the biggest miracles also in the book of Habakkuk was the heart change of him. What a miracle that is. You know how many people turn bitter in their life? Full of disappointment or unforgiveness? So many. Pray that the Lord will keep your heart soft and that you are willing to let him shape it. That is such a miracle if this takes place. So remember, God is at work and he is doing it his way. God has the eternal perspective and you and I don't. And God does not have to meet your expectations. He is Yahweh. The story with little Max has really shaken my faith back then. But I believe it was a lesson well, well learned. When I work through it. I want to finish by reading Romans eleven thirty-three, And it says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the might of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you are in control, Lord. We thank you that we believe in a good, good God, in a God who is just and who is merciful and who is faithful, Lord. We believe in a God who is for us and not against us, Lord. And Jesus, we praise you and we thank you that you are so beyond our understanding, that it displaces our faith to believe in you, Lord. Thank you that we don't have it all sorted. Thank you that we do not have to judge like you do on the last day. Thank you that we can just put all our trust in you. Lord, I pray for every person listening to this word here today, Lord, that you keep their hearts soft so that you can shape them. Jesus, I pray that you that you help them to plant their faith on the foundation of your character, Lord. May the roots go down deep, Lord. May we know who you are. Yahweh, may we truly know your name. Lord, I pray that when life doesn't make sense around us and when things seem so painful and we are so disappointed and also probably sometimes angry and disappointed at you, Jesus, that we would keep our prayer life going. And when we are too weak to pray, Lord, that we have, yeah, just the prayers within us to ask others to pray for us. But Jesus, may we always be in conversations with you. And Lord, I ask that you shape our hearts to be more and more like you, Christ. 
we are here tonight. We offer our lives to you, Jesus. And we say thank you for all you have done. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that we can live under grace. And Jesus, thank you that you are, that you are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.